Welcome to Unity Talks, where the hiring experts of Dallas-based recruiting firm Unity Search engage in lively discussion with successful business leaders to dissect their careers and how they got to where they are today, the obstacles overcome to reach their success, and steps they've taken to stay at the top of their respective fields. So listen in as we provide you with the thought-provoking conversation and ideas that keep industries moving forward. And welcome back to another edition of the Unity Talks podcast. I'm your host, David Cathy, and we're so happy that you join us here. Every other week, we record an episode with an executive in DFW, whether it's accounting, finance, tax, information technology. Those are our fields of specialty at Unity Search. But we also look at people who are chairman of the board, like we did two weeks ago when we had Wayne Gono as a guest. So we're super excited to have our guest this week, and his name is Ron Arrington, a CFO. Ron, thank you for joining. Thank you, guys. Well, I'm just happy to be here and, and, and join and, and share with you a little bit about my background and where I've been, what I've seen. Well, you guys are in for a treat with Ron. I'm excited, excited, excited because I had a fantastic conversation. Shout out to Mega Tucker, who is on our team, who hooked me up with Ron, and we'll have a long relationship based on our <laughs> couple of conversations that we've had. So we're going to dive into your background um, and we're going to start off first. So Fort Worth native, somehow you decided to be accounting. Is yeah. that what you always wanted to do? You know, I, I, I was young and, 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 and not really focused like a lot of kids are. And I looked around and my, my father was a CPA and, and he had done well. And I thought, well, you know, I mean, if it's good for dad, it's good for me. So I'll take that approach. And, uh, you know, considering the, the, the profession, I asked my dad, you know, well, what's it really like? And he said, you know, a couple of stories, but, but one of the, the stories he said, well, nobody's ever going to cheer and, 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 and applaud when you walk in the door and say, well, thank goodness the accountants are here. You know? <laughs> but on the other hand, he said, you'll, you'll pretty much always have a job. And That's you're, it. You know, you're going to be the guy that, that if, at, at the end of the, the whole creation is going to be the guy that walks out and turns the light switch off. <laughs> That's it right there. I was just talking to a guy yesterday. I've known him for, matter of fact, I started my career with him. And uh, he started out at Anderson. Mm-hmm. When he That's began where my his father career. was. Okay. Here, here in Dallas, Texas. Okay. So, and he said, he said, you know, David, um, we, we accountants, we are the necessary evil we are. in a company. Companies need us, you know, and they will keep us from the beginning and they will keep us until we actually turn the lights out. So it coincides with your uh, example that your father gave you. Yeah, it's, it is. And, 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 you know, that's part of the, the, the issue of being an accountant is to take ownership of the fact that you have a position that is maybe not glorified, but the, the responsibility that sits on your shoulders as someone that's in charge of the finance and the controls and the custody of assets and all the things that go with, with controllership or being a CFO, really it, it, it's, there's a great weight that I always felt of responsibility and not so much, you know, when you get to the C-level suite, so much about, you know, the, the perks and the prerogatives of being in the C-suite, but more more almost that sort of Damocles that's always hold over your head because you are where the buck stops. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I w- I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so many things that we talked about the other day that I want to get to. And I have the, had this cadence built out in my mind and we're, we're stepping right into like 60% there. And I'm going to go <laughs> ahead and go there instead of working the cadence that I had it built out in my mind. 
One of the things that I talked about with you was, um, you know, when you are a CPA, you too, you do take that. I mean, we we call it an oath, right? Yeah, you, absolutely. You are going to. You're going to write your name down on that piece of paper. And we were just talking about how, you know, you are uh, fiscally and fiduciarily responsible for the health of an organization and all of its employees. And that's the, the buck stops with you with regards to the financial aspect of the organization. And as we know in, in, in the CFO world, depending on the size of the organization, information technology could go up to you and human resources could go to you and all those other things. And I was just, I was relating it to you to the healthcare field where, you know, it's such an important aspect that when you become a doctor, you take the Hippocratic Oath and you, uh, and you devote your life or should devote your life to giving your patients the best health care and doing what's right for them. And you had a couple of thoughts with regards to being a CFO and those responsibilities to an organization. I, and I'd love for you to share kind of your general thoughts. Well, as, as a CPA, we take an oath to the profession and uh, to be hold it to the highest levels of ethics and integrity. And But, but especially in, a, in an organization, you, you have that feeling of responsibility to employees, uh, to shareholders, to owners, to fellow members of management, and even to vendors and especially customers, that you're the guy or girl that holds it all together and, and helps that business stay uh, afloat, helps that business prosper, helps that business have good information for, for key managers to make good decisions to, to help that organization. Yeah. Well, and that's a heavy weight on your shoulders too, because Absolutely. you have to be that person through the good times and the bad. And when it's the good times, it may feel really easy. And when it's in the bad times, it is like, why did I ever decide to do this with my career? And you've seen both. So tell us about kind of the emotional toll that it takes on you as a CFO, because that's really important. Yeah, it, it, it does. Uh, uh, the last position I walked into was a troubled situation where the company had lost their accounting department primarily because of COVID and the Great Recession. And, and they were having troubles to, to file their 10K on time and uh, some, a bit of audit trouble, but had to work through that. But you, you, the second week I was there, I was like, what did I get myself into? Yeah. And, and, and it, I said, okay, I, I, I made a commitment to do this. I'm going to give it 110%. And, and we did with a lot of work and reaching out and, and, and finding the, the right consultants for some of the specific problems that we had mm -hmm. to, to reach out and just be, and just be proactive and creative and, and try to, to, to find the solutions to the problems that you have. Sometimes you have to think out of the box and push yourself to, to an area that you're maybe not real comfortable in. And, but the, the, the job requires it is, is putting yourself, putting aside those own emotions that you have of, you know, uh, am I doing the right thing and self-doubt and say, no, I've got a job to do. I need to get it done and I'm going to do the best I can. Well, you know, there's two factors in that. Well, there's a bunch of factors. I don't want to limit it to, to two necessarily, but I'm going to pick on two. Number one is the financial health of the organization. Number two, and you can hire consultants for that, right? As you said, we got to find the right consultants to help us with the financial health of the organization. 
The second one, which I believe is more important, is the health of the culture of the organization. Um, to make sure that you have the right people in the right seats and to make sure that they're bought in, that you're building the right team and some of those people you wanna keep during those rocky times, which can be incredibly challenging because people fear for their jobs if it's rocky times and they get to see the financials, right? And they know what's going on. Um, how do you try to lead your team through those uh, tough emotional times? Well, you know, this, 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 this last position was exactly that. I brought a bunch of kids in right out of college with, with really smart, uh, smart kids, about seven or eight. And when they first, the, the, the month that they were first there, we were in the midst of, of trying to finalize our audit and, and, and the controller and I and the, the COA were, were just really just amazingly busy trying to, to fulfill all the, the audit needs. And, and they were kind of lost. And we were cognizant of that. I called them in as a group and said, look, guys, hang on. We'll get through this little rough spot and then we'll, we'll start assigning you guys task and mentoring you. Mm -hmm. And so at, in a very short period of time, what my job was as I saw it, as far as to my team building, is I didn't see myself as a CFO. I saw it myself. You know, the Rangers just won the World Series, and coaching was a big part of that. Bochy came in, and this is his fourth World Series win. And, and one of the things that you do as a, a, a leader is you try to instill confidence and a winning attitude. And I don't know how many times I came in, and the guys, oh, this is just killing me. This is tough. And I said, you know, that's, that's why we hired you. Because it is tough, and you can do it. And, and here, let me see what you've done. And, you know, I think you're doing great, but why not try this? Mm -hmm. And one kid was having trouble with this huge reconciliation of cash and uh, probably $30 million a month moving through it, thousands of transactions. And I said, well, why don't you download the bank statement and put it in this format, and then you can use a, a VLOOKUP and, and save yourself a lot of time. And he's like, he came back, and he said, he was just grinning ear to ear. He goes, it took me three days last month. I did it in four hours this month. And, yeah. you know, I mean, he was walking on air. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. and it's like, you know, okay, way to go. You know, I'm, I'm, I mean, gave him a hug. Yeah. And, and you have to, you know, monitor them, but at the same time, empower them. And, and a lot of it is self-confidence. And, and, and coaching and saying, okay, well, you know, you did it this way. Why don't we try this and see if this gives you a better output? And, and all of a sudden, it may take an hour, it may take a day, it may take three or four days, and then you just see that light bulb go off on their head. And, you know, they've seen the truth in, 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 in what, how that process works. And it's, you don't sit down and say, you do this and this, this knucklehead. You know, I mean, yeah. you, 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 try to, you try to build them up. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, that team that I built to those kids, uh, I'm no longer there, but uh, I miss those kids tremendously. They yeah. became like family to me. In a, and just, we were all, uh, you know, uh, in the trenches, as it were. Yeah. And when you, when, you, when you are in those situations, you bond with people. The more stressful the situation, the more tighter the bond. Okay, Ron, you just, you just dropped like 16 different things that I'm trying to keep track of in my head that I'd like to go back to. So I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not going to hit all 16. But 
Um, a couple of other things that you just put out there. What I heard you say is you approached the team. First off, you got them all together, right? Yes. And that's the beginning of creating that family-like atmosphere, right? right? We are in this together. And you approach them from calmness. So it's like a duck on water, right? Up top, above the water, you're like, oh my gosh, it's so calm and beautiful and pristine. And underneath, it's just paddling like <laughs> crazy. And that's what you did. You approached them with calmness. And instead of, you know, you, you used an analogy of a coaching relationship when you referred to the Rangers, which you beat me to because I was going to bring that up. <laughs> Sorry. And you stole it from me. They just won yesterday. Um, but it's, it's, you know, coaches, they, they can get on you. And then they can pull, put their arm around you. Absolutely. And what you talked about there was putting your arm around the team and, and building them up. And that's what they needed in that moment. Because if you got on them, when they're pedaling like a duck underneath water, and then you're jumping on them, that's not going to be good for the culture. And, and that, again, like I said, I feel like in those moments is more important than just fixing the financials immediately. Um, or whatever the situation that you're facing, because the culture is going to last forever, right? I'm going to go back to the Rangers thing, because this is the last thing I heard you say. And we were just talking about the Rangers right before we got on here, because everybody in Dallas is talking about the Rangers today, and because uh, it's been a long time coming. And one of the things that you had mentioned was you kept hearing the word resiliency, resiliency, resiliency. And that was the first thing you let off is just a resiliency to content to, to turn the company around. You're not going to give up. And if it works in the corporate world, it can work for the Texas Rangers. And if it, it worked work. for the Texas Rangers, it can work in the corporate world. It can work in your own personal life. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, to, to get knocked down is just part of the game. And everybody's going to get knocked down at one point or another. And you can have different stressors and and as we as CPAs know, it could be ownership, it could be, it could be vendors, it could be customers, the list goes on. But if you take on, and what, what I've found is if you take on one problem at a time, and I mean, we, of course we have to be multitasking, we all know that, that the, the phone can ring, the email can hit, but if you, if you kind of try to compartmentalize one problem at a time, at least in your mind, say I'm gonna work on this for 30 minutes, and provided I don't get interrupted, that's what I'm going to devote to it and work on that and then go on to the next thing. It, it, it kind of keeps you from being overwhelmed. That's one of the, the things that, that I found to be the hardest challenge at the, at the higher levels is because you, there's so many directions that you can get hit from IT problems, HR problems, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, uh, accounting problems. Uh, uh, mistakes found. Uh, human problems. Hu hu the soft problems are the hardest problems. They are often the hardest. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. You said everybody gets knocked down. And that's true. That's life. And you get knocked down in your personal life. You get knocked down in your professional life as well. And when you and I first started talking, I, I told you this uh, privately on the phone. I'm going to tell you this publicly because it is true. Um, you are one of the most humble uh, not even CFO, but you're one of the most humble people that I've talked to. And I mentioned that to you um, 10 minutes into our conversation yeah. is when I mentioned I it to you. I appreciate that. Well, it's, yeah, it's well due on your part. And, um, you know, I'm sure some of that comes with time in the saddle. 
I think um, it comes with age and scar tissue. <laughs> and, and I was just going to say, you know, getting knocked down that you referred to. So I'd love to hear your perspective on, you know, how you've learned that aspect because you, you, you are really humble and you don't, not everybody always starts out that way. And, and I'm sure that what you said, age and scar tissue have helped you. So what can we learn from that? There have been points in my life when I wasn't so humble. There's, there's obviously as a, in younger parts of my career when I was elevated to a position and I was young and, 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 and full of myself. And, but, but life has. And, 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 and what, what I've, I've learned is you stick to the basics and, and that's your foundation as an accountant. You build on that you build and try to improve the areas that you see that need the greatest improvement. And at the same time, it's not about me. Mm. It's I'm fulfilling a role that an employer, that an organization needs a job done. That's what I'm here. I'm here to, to, to mow the yard, to, to wash the clothes, whatever it is. When we hire people, we hire them to do a job. And I don't hire the guy to mow the yard because of his, 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 his CV or his resume. I just hire him, can he, can he mow a straight line and not miss spots and, and pick up the grass and edge a straight line. But, but that's kind of what I see it is. At the end of the day, we're fulfilling a need that an organization has. And we're trying to do the best job we can in fulfilling that need. And at the end of the day, that's all we're doing. Mm -hmm. So. It's not, again, I started this, it's not about me. It's about fulfilling that need. Mm -hmm. it, it makes me think of, and I think it was Martin Luther King Jr. who said, if, you know, if you're going to be a, a street sweeper, you're going to be the best, best street. street sweeper there is. Absolutely. Um, of course, I'm paraphrasing because I don't have that memorized. But when you said that, that's what I'm thinking of. And, and a lot of that is on yourself. And I feel like a lot of that, Ron, is... Um, I guess your own personal values that that you continue to develop throughout your entire life because those may change with the season of life that you're in. True. And that's why I think, you know, sometimes starting out in your career, a lot of us, guy, girl, doesn't really matter, but you know, you're you're bravado and I'm in this position and your seasons of life change, but I think you also have to look introspectively about, you know, what are my core values, not just the organization I work for, but my core values that I'm going to live to. And, and I think that carries with you in your career. You know, in, in, in the... I don't want to give advice, but if I was going to give any advice, to well, that's advice. what that's what you're here for. We <laughs> want the advice. But but a, a little nugget that I'd throw out there that I always tried to use, and 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 it's when I'm sitting in that job having having issues, and and, and I, I sit back, and I guess it's a little cognitive behavioral therapy or whatever I do, and I say, what does this organization really need at this point? What's the priority? Am I doing that? Mm -hmm. and, or am I doing some pet project that I like, you know, or it gives me a warm fuzzy, maybe this fabulous spreadsheet or this great new IT, you know, data program that we've got that can extract data and give answers and, and it's really, you know, bells and whistles. But, but the, it, it, I try to think really what would a third party that just comes in here as a stockholder say, what do I expect the CFO or the controller to be doing? 
And that's, that's my yardstick. Mm. If, if, and, and if I can sit back and just pull myself out of myself and look at that from a third person and say, am I doing what I would expect someone in this position to do is, is, is a pretty good pole star for you to yeah. look at. Yeah, I think that's really good. So uh, let's keep going down that because um, we, we all want some more tips here. We all want some more of these little nuggets. Is that, is that something you do daily? Is that something you do weekly? Sometimes weekly? hourly. You know, I mean, it's like, no, it's not every day, but, but, but especially when you have multiple projects, and, and it's just a good tool for prioritization. It's a good tool saying, am I doing, you know, is my time being efficiently spent adding value to this corporation? And, and my time, they're paying me, you know, for, mm -hmm. for my time, and I want to give the best value for it. I mean, this is, am I always true to that? No, no, it's impossible to always be true yeah. to that. But, but uh, in those times where you, you just kind of feel like, am I overwhelmed? I've got six different projects going, ten different projects going, different deadlines. And, and you just have to, to sit back, third person, pull yourself back and say, you know, what if I was the, the, in, in charge of me, what would I want that person to do? Mm. And, and it does. It provides you a little bit. It's not perfect, but it's going to provide you a little bit of, uh, of, uh, of a bit of a you know, you know, yardstick to see where you're, you're at and maybe your progress. And uh, yeah. that's just a good technique that I've used. So you're, you're a CFO asking yourself out, which I, I completely agree with that. Um, but what about, what about I'm a staff accountant? I'm, I'm a senior. I, I'm not a CFO. I'm not a man. I don't have, re we're doing the same thing. Yeah, we are. And, and, and you know, and, and one of the things I always encourage my people, if, if I saw them kind of, you know, struggling a little bit, and I'm, I'd come into them and I'd call them in my office and say, you know, John, what are you here for? What, what, what do you think the company needs out of you? And they'd give me their answer. And I said, that's a good answer, but you know, think of it from this perspective. This is what we want out of you. And you're, you're doing a great job of that, but you know, maybe if you look at it from a different way, and, and here's why it's necessary. It's not only that, are you doing it right, yes or no, and I'm here to grade you, it's like, here's what your job does in the organization and why we need you. I had one girl, that uh, female, that had worked for me in, in, in two prior jobs, mm -hmm. and I brought her in, and she was a senior staff accountant that her position brought in all the cash. We, okay. we serviced a lot of, we had a huge loan portfolio, multiple loan portfolios, and she was the person that was in charge of the accounting and the drawing of that. And one day she came into my office and said, this is, this is tough and this is boring. And, and I told her, I said, without you, the wheels go off the bus in, in an hour. Mm. You're the most critical person. You're more important than I am. Mm, I <laughs> you like know? it, and, yeah. and, and without you guys doing this, you know, the rest of us go home. And, and trying to make everybody feel like, uh, really, without exaggeration, what you do matters. Mm, yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's, a, there's gotta be a genuineness to it, yeah. right? There has to be, because people are gonna see through all the other stuff. There's gotta be that genuineness. You remind me of, uh, there's, a, there's a sports psychologist, he's since passed away most, very recently, um, but he had this saying, his name is Trevor Moad. Uh, and his saying was, 
you know, you make a mistake in sports, you throw an interception if you're a quarterback, whatever the case may be. Um, what is the next right thing? The play's over, you learn from it, and your goal is to do the next right thing. And just when you said, you know, I try to pull myself back and go, what does the organization need from me right now? And am I doing that? That is what is the next right thing to do. You're entirely right. You can't, you, you know, you're going to make, everybody makes mistakes. And you can't just sit and dwell on them. Go, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. And if I, you know, ifs and what ifs. And, and it's like every golfer will tell you, you've got to have a short-term memory. Mm. You know, if you, if you miss that putt, you go on to the next tee box and you're thinking about the, the drive that you're going to hit. If you do, and we see it, we see it in the Masters where they can't let go, and and then it just you know disaster strikes. Yeah, you, you you're absolutely right. You 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 learn from your lessons, but at the same time you gotta have a short memory. It's the memory of a goldfish. <laughs> yeah, the shortest memory that there is. <laughs> there is. The memory it's of a goldfish. Like okay, so you 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 hit on something. I'm gonna go back to it just a couple seconds here. Um, you hired a girl at a previous organization. You left, went to another one. She followed you. We touched on this the other day. We were talking about, I mean, our conversation went crazy. So many different areas. And then we tried to apply that specifically to a financial responsibility of a CFO. Okay. And that is, and this is what I told you. And this, remind you everybody before we get into this, Unity Search is a recruiting firm. I am one of the partners at (laughs) Unity Search. Okay. But this was so gold for you. So this is this is like, David, why are you doing that? Like you want to recruit people for companies like what Ron does and stuff like that. That is, you create an organization. You give your team the latitude. You empower them um, to, to, to learn to grow in the organization. And then they want to work for you. You move into a new organization and they call you and say, hey, wherever you land, I'd like to go work for you. I want to do that. And what does that do from a financial responsibility? And I started talking about the savings because that's the way I'm wired because I'm a recruiter. And I'm thinking, yeah, you're going to save on recruiting fees because they want to follow. Given that you have the opportunity to hire them at the new company, right? There's not always that opportunity, but you're not paying all these recruiting fees. You're not paying to post the jobs on LinkedIn. You're not paying, you know, all these other things. The internal recruiter can go focus on other areas. And and even so, there was a company I was with. I'm not going to name for, 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 I had a, I had two stints at the company, one, a three-year stint and another, uh, uh, I, I, 13 year stint. So, and in the second stint, the 13 years, uh, in the office, in the accounting area, I had zero turnover. That was the easiest job I ever had, the most enjoyable job, because everybody, they didn't necessarily like each other, but they worked well together. And you don't have to like somebody to work well with them. And the beauty of that is, yes, there was no, no turnover, no, no learning curve. There was no drop-off, especially in accounting. We've all seen where a new person comes in and maybe that task doesn't get done for six months. The new person comes in, doesn't understand the, the process, and has never been explained the process, and then does their best to try to interpret what was being done. It's totally different. And then you get to the end of the year, and, and, and people like the controller or the COA or the CFO goes, holy mackerel, we got a problem here. Mm-hmm. And those are the things that happen when you have unnecessary turnover. 
I mean, in our society now, you don't have the longevity in positions that we once used to have. But when you retain that in-house knowledge, there's a value to that because audits go easier. Uh, uh, everybody knows their, their position. Uh, they've learned it through hard knocks. They, they've become extremely efficient. They're less stressed out because they're not on the learning curve. That, 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 that boat that was kind of at an angle when it was getting momentum is now on top of the water. Yeah. And so the stress goes down. So it's just an enjoyable place. It's more effective, it's more efficient, it makes more profit for the ownership, and it's a nicer, funner environment. Well, you just went there because I'm sitting there and we were talking about this the other day and I'm thinking of all the cotton, I'm like, I cannot believe I'm telling Ron right now that he gets to save on recruiting fees for creating departments that he's creating because that's how my company earns a living. And we want companies to want to use Unity to pay recruiting fees because we want to find great people for companies, not just to pay them to pay them. Like we really want to do the best job. And you immediately said, but there's even a greater savings than that. And that is an efficiency of the organization. If you train them well in that one company, now they are bringing it to those skill sets to the next company, not just their personality, which you've already checked off and said, yeah, I, I want this person, but now they're bringing their skill sets and they're creating that efficiency. So you know the financials are being churned out. You know that billing and invoices is being taken care of, and then it becomes the easiest job that you ever had. It really does. This, this one girl, she was in accounts payable at the other company. She was uh, purchasing. She was doing a, wearing a lot of different hats. And we asked her to become, an, I asked her to become an accountant. And she goes, well, I have a degree, but it's not an accountancy. I said, Laura, you're going to figure it out. And thank goodness the prior individual stayed for three months and trained her. But uh, she was like, why did you pick me? I said, because I know you can do the job mm. and do it well and do it better than anybody else I can find. And, yeah. and you know, that position had zero problems. <laughs> and that was the one position that, 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 that I had zero problems because she took ownership of it. And she took a lot of, she, you know, she goes, I appreciate you believing in me and putting me in this a little bit different area. But I said, well, I know you and I know your capabilities. Mm -hmm. And she flourished. Mm -hmm. Why? Why? Why is it that you, you said a few minutes ago? You said, you know, we don't have longevity in positions that we once did, which is entirely true. Yeah. I mean, let's let's look at what we're facing here, and we're going to point out two facts. Number one, we don't have longevity in positions that we once had, and number two, we don't have enough accountants. You know, Absolutely. and this goes this goes back to your yeah. dad's quote. Yeah. You know, I can tell you, no one's going to cheer when an accountant walks in the room, but. They are going to need you and you are going to turn the lights out. And yet we don't have enough accountants for organizations. We are at a massive deficit in terms of the supply. If you think of economics 101, supply and demand. So those two questions, why do we not have enough accountants? Your opinion. Number two is why are we not, why do we have more turnover today than what we did times before? I'll take the first one on why. I, I think I think it's again, it's an opportunity uh, uh, decision for a kid in college that I can go for a smart individual can go into the IT world 
and make a six-figure salary straight off the box. We're, we're, we're cut-offs, tennis shoes, and a, and a tie-dye T-shirt <laughs> to work. Maybe if you go to work at all, you can maybe go work out off the beach under a palm tree. And uh, maybe not uh, the going into public accounting, you know, we expect public accountants to first year average about 65 to, to 80 hours a, a week. And that's tough. That's, that's tough. Kids, this generation, there's few professions that demand that. And accounting does. And it's, it's, it's not a high uh, risk reward area. I think, I think there's so much of the past 25, 30 years has been so much emphasis put on high risk, high reward, Silicon Valley, Valley startups, you know, the, the, you, you go to work there, the company hits it rich, you know, you're, you're the, the receptionist and you get stock options and 10 years later, you've got $20 million mm -hmm. and it, it, it doesn't work that way in accounting. Mm -hmm. But it, on the other hand, accounting, if you're a person that, that, that likes to take responsibility, that, that likes to take, you know, a sense of ownership in what you do. And there's a reward there that intrinsically besides, you know, accounting still does pay better than most professions. Mm -hmm. And, and I think the respect level is still there too, mm -hmm. uh, especially being a CPA or if you reach into a higher corporate level, there is a respect. Yeah. And, uh, so we, we've got to address that. The, the second question is why is it that, that, uh, Positions don't last long. I think it's I think it's corporate America. Uh, I think there's been a, a tremendous amount of small companies that that accounting people in in the past would would grow with the company, maybe in the hundred million dollar range. Family company uh, serve a pretty niche uh, geographic market or a niche industry segment. Mm -hmm. That that major corporations we see this in everything. That private equity comes in and there's just been a lot of of buying out of family businesses. And I don't care what industry you're talking about. Everything from funeral homes to construction companies to, to, to uh, mobile home parks. That used to be a huge mom and pop business. Now it's almost exclusively private equity. Yeah. So we, we see that, that, that people, there's a lot of corporate restructuring. And I think there's a lot, there's some accounting burnout. I have a few accountant friends that have dropped out of the profession and gone on to do other things. Yeah. And so it, it, it is a demanding profession. I think maybe with the, the exception of a physician, uh, uh, one of the most demanding positions there is. But yeah. It's also, I've, I, I feel like it's rewarding too, because if you like being a leader, if you like making a difference, you can do that. I, th I agree with a lot of what you just said. I also think, you know, as a society, I've stated this before, as a society, we're moving so fast towards technology at an alarming pace and AI and robots taking over things and maybe it will take over lower level jobs. I don't know about all that, but I can tell you if you are an accountant and you can figure out how to be the person that can take advantage of all those tools. I, I once had a manager a long time ago. He said, David, in whatever your job is, be the subject matter expert at one thing Absolutely. in that job. Like be, for me. The go-to. Exactly. For me, it was, you know, building Excel using macros that can do different things where not only our finance team could use it, but I could build a contract where, 
you know, our sales team would go out and sell something and pick a la carte, click a button, and then it organized all the pages and printed out a contract that your customer could sign right there in front of them. Like, like that was my, th I cannot do that anymore. It's been 18 years ago. <laughs> I would be terrible at it. But that was, I'm like, all right, Excel is going to be my thing at the time. But that was his advice is find that one, one thing. thing. So right now I feel like that one thing has to do with if you are younger, you probably acclimate towards technology at a much faster rate than you or I could acclimate towards it. So find that technology, figure out how to create efficiency, efficiencies, push out unwanted time and waste. It's almost like a lean manufacturing Absolutely. type mentality. And that can be your thing that can accelerate your career so fast. Absolutely. If, if, if every company has, uh, this last company I had, uh, we had a massive inventory problem. Essentially, the ERP was never structured right, and the inventory, the raw material inventories were never structured right. And there was a lot of structural deficiencies and a lot of systemic deficiencies. And I was able to go out and find a subject matter expert, and this person became indispensable mm. because we used Microsoft Dynamics GP, and this guy was a guru. And, and you know, it was just so... Uh, wonderful that 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 he he had that ability that his scope of 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 responsibility. I kept trying to push back because other people in the organization, hey, I got this problem, you know, and run it by him. Where I said, no, 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 this guy, please let him do, you know, mm -hmm. the, what what. But but what a compliment to him yeah. that that people would reach out and and uh, uh, yeah. To be that subject matter expert makes all the difference. Yeah, yeah. I like what, I like the word indispensable. Like, take self inventory of yourself, take stock, and say, man, pull yourself back. You used this earlier, so I'm using yeah, all these things, yeah. but I'm applying it to indispensable. Pull yourself back, look at yourself, and go, am I indispensable in my current role? And am I and am I indispensable if you're seeking that next role? Am I building the tools to become indispensable in that next role? even if that next role isn't planned out because it's a next role that takes advantage of AI and all this technology, but it's the word indispensability. I really like that word. And it, and it comes back to the, 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 just to segue back to what I said earlier, you know, you have a role that a company has, you're filling a need. You find what the company really needs and you really fulfill that role to a high level, you do become indispensable yeah. because you filled that need that no one else was able to, or more importantly, willing to. Very true, very true. Okay, final question for you as we wrap this up, okay? You gotta tell me one piece of practical advice, right? People are listening to this, they go to work, tomorrow's Friday for us. Um, today we're recording this on a Thursday, so they listen to this on their drive home and they're like, all right, a lot of good information, David. A lot of good information, Ron. He was great. Um, what can I do beginning tomorrow to put this into action? Give me one thing. The one thing I would say is that if you could, if you could have a lot of stress in your job, and I know that that's certainly true, is number one thing I always tell myself, this is not going to last forever. I'm going to get through it. My team's going to get through it. I'm going to reach out. I'm going to depend on my team, and we're going to make it. And, and not take on that negative outcome projection. 
and, and try to use a positive outcome because I promise you, no matter what situation you're in, five years from now, nobody will ever remember it. <laughs> and the yeah. worst situation at work you can imagine, and five years later, it'll make no difference to anyone. So, it, so try to put it in perspective and then, and then use the, the, the resources that you have, the people that you've developed, and trust them and entrust them and empower them, and, and you'll get through it. Yeah, I, that's really good. It's, you know, I've heard this uh, said many times before, but you cannot be stressed and have gratitude at the, at same, the same time. <laughs> and so, you know, take it's as little as taking a gratitude walk. Or Absolutely. Taking a step back and saying, man, it is, is this going to kill my career or kill my relationship or whatever it is in five years time? And just really take, again, self-inventory. And I think yeah. that's uh, just... Incredible advice to do. Yeah, it's just it's just to try to calm your mind down and look at it from a third person and ask those questions, and you'll be surprised that 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 does give you a lot of insight and relief. Ron Arrington, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much, Ron, for thank being you. on the show. Thank yeah, you very much. it was great. I hope it was uh, I hope it was great for you too. It was for me. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. For you, our listening audience, thank you all for joining us every single time you join in or you listen in to the Unity Talks podcast. For me, it's being indispensable, taking a self-inventory and going, man, am I doing what is the next right thing to become indispensable, not just for my company, but I feel like it's being more indispensable for the team because even though I'm their leader, I am that servant leader. I want to make sure that I'm taking care of them first. And I think that's something that you have heard time and again on this podcast is you serve your team and your organization will fly. And with that, we'll see you next time. If you're looking for the next step in your career or the missing piece for your team, Unity Search has you covered. Whether it's finance and accounting, tax services, information technology, or human resources, Unity Search is here for you with experienced and dedicated hiring professionals. Reach out today and take the next step. Unity Search, placing you first.